0: personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ.
1: Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I am your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. Today, I'm with someone that's just awesome. His story, his his life's witness and testimony, his faith is bigger and larger than almost anybody that I know. Uh, So we're talking to James Burkhart on the East Coast. He is the president of Orphan Heart Ministries. He also has a a Christian radio that runs 24 by 7 uh, that's really neat and growing to thousands and thousands of people that listen to the radio network. So I'm, I'm honored to have you here today, James. Thanks for being here.
2: You're very welcome. It's my honor and pleasure to be here, Chad.
1: Well, you've got a story to tell, and the best way that I help people understand who you are is uh, my new question, and that is, what are the three words that you think other people would use to describe you?
2: Well, <clears throat> the, the best one I've heard was given to me by a, a minister who had a prophetic gift and he called me um, God's golden retriever hmm. which is pretty interesting but to put it in, in 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 business sense you know that's kind of a spirit you know it's it's maybe how heaven might look at me as, as my spirit man but the world would look at me as um, Creative, focused, and a planner. I do nothing without a plan. That's been my
1: moniker for years. I love the two approaches to looking at your person. Because, you know, what is what is God's kingdom and what does God look at you as and what does the world look at you as? Because sometimes... Those, I'm sure they're fair amount of congruence, uh, but it's also a unique set of lenses to look through. So I love that. Um, tell us about when you were younger, you know, first childhood memories. What did you love to do? What was your thing or your passion when you were maybe five, six, seven years old? Well, I loved
2: to sing at church. That was the thing I loved the most, was singing, because I could sing. But... Uh, Practically speaking, I loved baseball. I was a natural right-hand hitter. I was very impressed with Mickey Mantle, so I learned how to switch hit as a kindergartner <laughs> and wanted to be a switch hitter all my life, and you know, now I can golf from either side, which is Handy in certain situations on a golf course. You know, I just saw a so, headline uh,
1: on Facebook this morning. Just scrolled through for two seconds, and it said, "If you change to your non-dominant hand, and they showed a picture of a brain, that it actually helps you be more creative and unlock some things." Now, I didn't read the whole article. I'm not going to make something right. up here. So, the headline well, made it made me believe that switching. Uh, to your non-dominant hand helps you in a a lot of creative ways.
2: Yeah, well, let me elaborate just a little bit how this has played out in my life in that at a very young age, I think I started piano lessons at seven. And with piano, you learn how to play with your right hand and read treble clef. And simultaneously, you learn how to read bass clef and play with your left hand. And sometimes the timing is a little different between the right hand and the left hand. So you really have to split your brain Hmm. and really multitask. You're, you're, You're playing in time at a tempo. You're reading different music lines and spaces simultaneously. So you're really engaged, and it takes a lot of concentration to do it. And and play, in time and play the right notes and all that sort of thing. And I was uh, very blessed when I did it. I was, uh, you know, always about two books ahead of my contemporaries at a young age. Now, unfortunately, my parents made me quit because they didn't think I'd stick with it. But, uh, that's another reason why I'm, you know, so dedicated is that if I decide I want to do something, I really want to do it. I'm not just playing
1: around. Wow. Now, what was your favorite song? Do you recall when you were singing in church when you were a kid? Uh,
2: I loved singing Christmas carols from the back of the book, you know, the real gospel-oriented Christmas carols. So I was really into um, Silent Night in a little town of Bethlehem. Um, those were two of my favorites and then um, uh, I think it's uh, Hark the Herald Angels thing you know where it's got that whoa, whoa oh, yeah. you know that part you know so I, I love doing that because you just run up and down a scale <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. It's yeah, not just the, like the you know range. singing two or three notes.
1: That's excellent. Uh, I think my mother would be most attuned to a song with a lot of hallelujah in it and i recall sometimes where the whole chorus was up there and just belting it out um okay so if if that younger self that loved to sing and learned to play the piano and play baseball um if he came in the room right now knocked on your door and said hey james do you have a sec and and looked across the table from you and said hey I love what you're doing in this area. Hey, could you do a little more of this? Or, you know, what do you think? Is, is there anything that your younger self would would look at your current self and say, hey, why aren't you doing a little more of this? Or what do you think that conversation might look like?
2: Well, it would be, even though you've achieved a couple of, uh, you know, master's degrees and some other things, and you've been involved in three different industries and successful, don't <clears throat> don't lose your childlike faith. Don't lose the joy of discovery or the joy of just being free in your mind with your body to go out and enjoy nature and things like that. Because sometimes you can be so focused on the next project or the current project or whatever, you lose a little track of what you really need and, uh, I'm guilty of that. So that's, that's what my younger self would say to my older self is, uh, Hey, remember how much fun it was to do X, Y, or Z, you know, go revisit it.
1: Well, a good friend, Daryl Stinson in Atlanta just did a post how him and his wife are doing more walks in the, in the wilderness and outside. And my wife and I, for the last week have been out twice for about an hour walk in the new subdivision. And there's pine trees, there's occasional coyote and turkeys and deer. And it's just so fulfilling to know, wow, God gave me the chance to be a part of all of this because we can get so in the track of business like you're talking about, finishing that master's, um, trying to pay the bills and all all the stuff. And it's just important to take the walk outside from time to time breathe deeply and enjoy the enjoy the creation
2: well i saw your post with the uh john denver song rocky mountain high in the background and the uh, pan from left to right outside your balcony
1: that was the moment i'm distance. talking about yes that was magic. Yeah, that was great oh that's so neat you just have to take those seconds of your day and remember that um so you know life isn't always peaches and roses as they say we, I, I've asked people on the show, when did you hit the buzzsaw of life? You know, when did something go as, as it wasn't, as you didn't, you know, you wouldn't have hoped for that such a thing. And one person said, well, which one in the bag would you like me to pull out? And, and I think a lot of us face many, but if you, if there's a line of, hey, these are the most traumatic things that happen in life, you know, most of us have a small handful of those. Um, is right. there one that you're comfortable sharing with our audience of something that was rough at the time, and now looking back, uh, it, it's been more of a gift than a than a tragedy?
2: Well, I would uh, I would say the the most traumatic thing was when my parents really went out of their way to discourage me from pursuing music. Hmm. My dad was um, German and very, uh, controlling, so to speak. Um, uh, I think he had some narcissistic, uh, tendencies and, uh, he, his biggest fear was that I would get hooked on drugs for some reason. If I was in, involved in music, I was going to end up a drug addict because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, he, his, one of his heroes was Gene Krupa, uh, a very good drummer very fast and just really an awesome drummer, kind of a forerunner of Buddy Rich. But uh, he says, I don't want you to end up on drugs. And I said, I won't. You know, I'm in it for the music. I'm not in it for anything else. But he was also afraid that because he gave up playing the clarinet when he was younger, I would quit. So, no, we're not going to buy you a piano, even though you're two books ahead and your teacher says good things about you. So that was traumatic. And for the next, I mean, that happened when I was nine. So until, you know, probably I was uh, 13, I was begging to get a guitar I loved. I wanted to learn to play guitar. I love bass. I mean, I understood it from playing piano <laughs> and everything. So that started my lifelong journey into music, and finally I, I achieved a great level of playing and understanding of music so that I could actually support myself as a music instructor uh, later in life when uh, God called me to be a caretaker of my mother and a father in law and then my dad and then my late wife who died in twenty seventeen. So it it was it was a really interesting thing where I, I got to have everything I ever wanted. I, I, I could afford any guitar I wanted, any amp I wanted, I got to Berklee College of Music, learned production, learned recording, all that stuff and You know, it was a wonderful 10-year stretch, but then God called me back into some other things and, you know, music is kind of uh, more of a hobby than a vocation now, but I did real well with it and proved to myself that I did have the ability to, to learn and play and be creative and, you know, that sort of thing. So that was a traumatic thing that somehow got transformed into a good motivator, I guess.
1: Mm. How 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 did that give you maybe empathy to talk to others who might experience a traumatic event in their life, or did it did it guide your ability to have conversation? Like, what you know, what other silver linings of that experience would you say, looking back? You ended up getting to fulfill your dreams. It sounds like for a good long period of time, but. What else did it help you with by going through that?
2: Well, it kept you focused, you know, and and, and true to the fact that no, I wasn't gonna get involved in drugs. And in, in high school when I did actually play in a band, I, I actually quit one band because a couple of members brought over some grass and, hmm. and wanted to smoke it in my basement. I said, No. This is I'm done with this band. You guys get take your stuff and get out.
1: Hmm.
2: And I quit. You know, and it it shocked them, you know, but this is like 1970, I think, or 71 when that happened. You know, hippies and flower power, and it was a whole different era Mm, back then, 50 years ago, 51 years ago now.
1: It just kept me focused. What's interesting is the choice of traumatic events to share because I think a lot of people listening might think, Well, did I get in a car accident or I've known some of your other traumatic events? And so what I want people to pause and think about for a moment, as part of the living a better story events that we put on the Be Extraordinary book, there's something called complete your past. And so it's not forget your past, it's complete it and then tell the truth about your current reality and then choose your future, live a better story. So completing your past, sometimes you have to go in and don't just look at the things that are on the surface. Like 20 years ago, I got in a head-on car accident and that changed my life. That could be the one where I'm like, you know what? That had such an impact. A year later, I got engaged, married, had kids. Yeah, that's a traumatic event that caused certain outcomes. But if I go back to when I was a kid and mom used to come to the soccer games and swim meets and lacrosse games and dad didn't. And so I put this thought in my mind that's now looking back as inaccurate that dad doesn't love me. And so I was like, well, he's not there for all the games and mom is. So why is that? And so that, that traumatic event had more of an impact on every single thing in my life for the last several decades than any other thing. And so if you're sitting with that under the iceberg, whatever that is for you, Think about what would happen if you can go in uncover it and then turn the page on it it just it's so freeing um it turns out my dad does love me he's i looking back he's helped me move across the country to multiple places put in a workbench at every place even on this last one he helped me load and unload boxes all night for multiple nights i i just made up a story that i carried with me for a long long, long. So that's that's a really neat thing that that you shared, that the piano had such an impact. And yet now you've been able to complete your past on that. Right. OK, next question is a, a Timmy Bauer special. So Timmy was Peter Pan at Disney World. Now he helps authors write kids books uh, and they don't even know they're authors. He, he helps them become authors and mainly people who want to pass on legacy to people. So he's a really nice, neat person. And he he's shared stories of where God undeniably showed up. And he hears God, and it's, it's just a really neat thing. How does God show up for you in your life?
2: Well, God, God showed up in a big way. When, when I said, as a young boy, you know, five, six years old, I really enjoyed singing in church, especially, especially at Christmas time at that young age i i could understand the presence of god's spirit in church but especially in the world back then at christmas time it was like for a few weeks everyone became totally different and and kind and you know god's spirit kind of permeated the earth and as a 5 or 6 year old i always thought that was very fortunate because i really was a kind person and wanted to live a, a good life and I could sense that and as I became a, a believer uh, one day I uh, when I was nine I was uh, missing church because my parents quit going to church when I was seven and I missed it so I went for uh, a walk Two miles to a, a church where my piano teacher was the church pianist and sometimes organist, because I just wanted to be in that environment for some reason. Plus, I thought it would be nice to meet one or two of the Chicago White Sox players that attended that church, uh, <laughs> being a baseball nut. But uh, <laughs> but it caused quite a stir. As a as a nine year old, I I walked two miles to church and I found my uh, piano teacher, and she immediately called my mom and said, he's here with me. I'm going to bring him home. He's safe. Don't worry about it. He just wanted to come to church and got up and walked. So it caused quite a stir, not only at the church, but at my house, because all of a sudden, you know, spirituality was important to me, and it wasn't as important to the rest of my family. So the next time, next Sunday, my mom went with me, to the church, and she eventually got saved, I got saved then my brother started coming, he got saved, my dad was very resistant but it was that sense of God's presence as a young child and being able to discern it uh, somehow that uh, you know you know, the song, Oh Come All You Faithful always got to me, I hear Napkin Nat Cole sing it in, in Latin and it had such an impact on me. So, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to have that sense of the Christmas spirit 12 months out of the year, not one month. And that's what, what, what drew me to church. And then um, as I've matured in the Lord and, and walked with Him a long time, one of the uh, uh, prophetic voices I listened to said to me one time, he says, you know, it was God who was calling you and showing himself to you as a very, very young boy. And it was he that was reaching out to you, not that you were seeking him. But, you know, in, in one sense, I thought I was seeking him, but really I was being responsive to uh, a call or, a, uh, you know, this personification I could feel and sense. So that's where God really showed up and it, it took me a long time to realize that it had been him all along. It was his kindness that was drawing me in just like the scripture says.
1: Well um, so this is a great conversation because recently I've I've met some people who talk about becoming a king. And that God made you and he made you to be a king. And and I really have a hard time with that because I look at it as there's one king of king of kings and, and I'm not him. And so trying to be a king is just not something that I would want to strive for, right? Maybe as a young kid, I wanted to be a king. But in today's world, it's the yield and the surrender is, mo- is way more powerful than the needing to be a king. So today's quote on the flipper says, for in Christ, the fullness of God lives in a human body, so that's neat. Like it, it, it's, he, you can have the relationship, and He's right there, like inside you. But it doesn't mean that you are. Like I think some people start to cross the lines and think that, well, if God made me and He lives in me, then I am God, and that's just out of bounds. Um, have you have you ran into people who think that? Just because you're showing God's love and showing up, they start to take on the feeling that they might be able to play God. Sometimes, How, what do you what do you say to people that are thinking that?
2: Well, the the whole idea of servant leadership is very heavy on the front of my head. A lot uh, being in the you know executive positions I've been in since I was in my late 20s Um, and I found that God loves a humble and a contrite heart so even though you've accomplished a lot you're you're supposed to not be braggadocious about it or you know drawing attention to yourself yeah I was in a situation uh, where I was on a worship team in a large church. It was sent all over the world via the Internet. <clears throat> and one day, uh, a couple of the band members came up to me and said, you know, we've been talking, and we want you to play more like uh, Jimmy Page or Led Zeppelin or like Jeff Beck or Eric Clapton. And I'm sitting there going, you guys have got to be kidding Because the whole point of worship is not to draw attention to myself. It's to glorify God and to draw attention to him. And if I play one note that knocks someone's focus off of God and onto myself, I am leading them into sin. Hmm. They didn't like that answer. Now, technically, I knew how to play like Jimmy Page. But he's an avowed Satanist, and there's no way I was ever going to do that in a church setting, you know, pay homage to someone who I know is a known Satanist. Mm. And, you know, there are some other, you know, problems with Clapton and, you know, a lot of these worldly guitarists, you know, and Jimi Hendrix, you know, it's like they're there to tickle the ears, not to build up the spirit. So, you know, when you talk about people who think, that they need to be a king or something. The Bible is very specific. Do not lord it over them. If you're in a position of leadership, do not lord it over them. But instead, be their servant. And what I found in one of the, the aspects of, of my personality is to unleash or release greatness in others. You know, and it's a Christ-like gift of I've, I've been told by several ministry leaders that they like that about me because that's what Christ wants to do. He wants to come in and liberate you from what's holding you back so that you can live and become the person he designed you to be.
1: <laughs> well, you just helped me unleash greatness right there because you're right. It's, I've got these guitars on my wall. The one behind me is actually signed by a lot of people. I went to a concert in Las Vegas, and it was so neat because these were the best of the best from White Snake, from all these different major, major bands, and the drummer and the singer and the guitarist, and they all were on equal footing. Like, to your point, if one just outstaged everybody else, then that would not have been a good showing. And so playing your role in the band, so to speak, in life, in your God-given identity and your God-given purpose, and also knowing that no matter who else is alongside you in that band, whether it be in a grocery store line or your wife or significant other, your kids, that everybody's equal under, under God. And that there is no need to say, hey, look at me over here. <laughs> I'm the king. So very compelling conversation. I love it. Um, tell us about the role of faith in your journey. I think I know, but I'd love to hear it and share that with our listeners. What role does faith play in your life?
2: Well, I've always been one who wanted to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of So I'm always interested in doing things that are going to make an impact for the kingdom. You know, Jesus left heaven, humbled himself, you know, as the king of heaven, you know, so to speak, came down, humbled himself to be a simple human being. And that's our example. But he did things. He made disciples. He went around healing people. He liberated them from bad situations he offered forgiveness where the religious leaders would stone you and kill you <laughs> if 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 that was what the law had called for so you know faith i've always believed the bible and believed that god set a standard that he expects us to live by and it's either you got two roads you know there's you know two paths you can choose by you know And there's the one that's less traveled. And then there's the big wide one, you know, and, and the wide one leads unto death, but the narrow way leads you into eternal relationship with God, the father and heaven and your brothers and sisters. So believing that it's, I've always tried to keep the choices real simple. You know, if I do this, is it? God's way, or is it the world's way? Does it line up with Scripture, or doesn't it? And sometimes, when you're in business, <clears throat> you're in graduate school, um, you're in the world. It, it sometimes it gets a little muddy, and you really have to spend time in prayer and be honest with yourself and honest before God, and, and literally ask Him, "What should I do?" It's not my will but yours. I'm here to serve you. You sent your son. You paid for me. I'm no longer my own. It's not my own life anymore. It's yours. I trust you with it. Now, what is the thing to do? And to me, that's the, the most basic exercise of faith. But when I talk to a lot of people, they're always focused on themselves. And what's going to give them pleasure, what's going to give them satisfaction, um, what's going to stroke their ego, I mean, all that sort of thing. But when you talk about the role of faith, it's like, you know, uh, if, if if you're walking upright like this, and the enemy's shooting at you, you're, you're a big target. But if you humble yourself, and you're like that, guess what happens? All that stuff passes by you. And, it, and, and it's much easier to go like this in humility before God than to walk in pride and just be subject to all this flack.
1: Excellent. Well, James, thanks for being on the show today. Everybody, thanks for joining another Living a Better Story podcast. Uh, hang out for just a couple minutes, and we'll uh, make sure that everything gets
0: uploaded. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope purpose and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.